Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years. And he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. With each mortgage-free home, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation delivers on its promise to do good and never forget the sacrifices America's greatest heroes have made for us. Heroes that put their lives on the line for all of us, risking their lives for our country and our communities. These heroes need your help now more than ever. Help America's heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Welcome in to a brand new episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. It's Kelsey, joined by DJ, and man, we just finished with our predictions, and the seasons have been red hot to start out with. The DJ, we're finally, I can't say finally football is back because Zach would kill me, but NFL and college football is back in full force now. How's it feel? Yeah, Zach's not going to kill me, so I'll say it. Football is back at last, too. Yeah. Professional NFL football, college football, high school football, all of it. The, it's all going underway right now, too. It's an absolutely sensational time of the year. Virtually all the games played in such a short window as well, too, with a few outliers with, like, Thursdays and Mondays. But between Friday at around 5, p- 5 to 7 p.m. and Sunday at about, depending on if you're West Coast or East Coast, and if it's an overtime game, the middle of the night, there's a football blitz going on, and it's absolutely sensational. It's one of my favorite times of the year is the opening couple of weeks. Although opening weekend does – it's the catalyst for overreaction armchair quarterback Mondays. And everyone gets going after this first week's and we might just be doing the same thing here as well today. You know, that it seems very fitting that we may or may not be a little high, be a little low on some guys after one week's worth of reaction. So definitely got a lot of that to get into coming up as well. Yeah, exactly. So it's completely possible. Uh, but DJ, get us started with the kickoff. So we're going to start off here with what we're going to call the kickoff, our first segment brought to you by Dr. Squatch. Smell like a man, feel like a champion, all natural soaps, no harsh chemicals on your skin. And for a limited time, check out, see if that Star Wars soap is still available for fantastic smelling scents as well, too. Whatever side of the force you fall on, they got something for you. So definitely give them a check. But we're going to start things off in the college ranks as well, too. Looking at the college football landscape, some big things across the board at least a couple of weeks, including an FCS team, Montana. Going into Washington, a top 15 ranked team, if I'm not mistaken, and beating them in their own house, holding them without a touchdown, too. What a great, like, only I think it was the fifth time that has ever happened in college football history. So, what a crazy way to start off, start off football season, as we mentioned, too, not even wasting a minute getting directly into it. Yeah, no, it was absolutely exciting. That was what, week one. Then you also had LSU losing to UCLA, a surprise UCLA team who is now a top 15 ranked team. Is and that UCLA that, or is LSU that bad? That is the question. That is, that is, you know, Chip Kelly's UCLA team. We all, we all know Chip Kelly, what he used to do at Oregon, but then we all saw him fizzle out in the NFL. 
and he has struggled to, to recoup that same vibe. But maybe, just maybe, this UCLA team is legit. We'll have to wait and see. They get into Pac-12 play here in the next couple weeks as well. But speaking of Pac-12, I mean, there was the big one in the, the granddaddy of them all, if you will. Yeah, in the shoe, old Oregon over here, just with a beatdown of Ohio State in Ohio State. That's, I mean, wow. Like, I don't, I, I gotta say, after last year's take my ball and run away mo- move by the Pac-12, I did not expect the Pac-12 to come out firing this season. And this, what I'm really curious about is, is this how good Oregon is or is Ohio State is kind of in that transition flux period? Because Ryan Day came in there with a really good recruiting class by Urban Meyer. Then you got blessed with Justin Fields transferring as well, too. So you had a, a really good core there right when you started. Is this more or less because Ryan Day is still getting his feet under him and just had those great players? Or is this just you can't win every single year unless you're Nick Saban in Alabama? That's the question here as well, too. And I'm really curious to see, or is Oregon really just this good? Because they yeah. constantly kind of tease us with how good they could be. They look really great on paper. Justin Herbert, when he's supposed to be the number one overall pick, and then they randomly lose to a team they have no business losing to. So is this Oregon or is this Ohio State? I, which O is it is what I'm really curious about as well, too. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I mean, look, Oregon did this without their best pass rusher. He was on the sideline injured for this game. Not only the best pass rusher, Kayvon Thibodeau is expected to be a top three, four draft pick as well, too. Like, that's a big-time game changer who wasn't even suited up. Exactly. So, I mean, they did that without him, and they got to the the, the, passer, the passer, both passers, for that matter, for Ohio State. They bought, brought in the redshirt freshman, Stroud, as well as their backup, who was a true freshman. Both got, got hampered with pressure all game long, so it wasn't just one of them. Um, so, it was – I mean, it was a very interesting game. I still have Ohio State going to – the playoff at the end of this but i gotta say like this does put a chink in that ryan day armor like was it just a lucky stroke of genius that you got somebody like justin fields in the in the transfer window i mean he especially with him being able to play immediately considering the circumstances of his transfer was justin fields just that gem or is and ryan day just not that great of a coach but or is this just one of those growing moments where there's offense, this new offense with new quarterbacks. I mean, CJ Stroud's a a great young quarterback, but he's still a freshman technically. So I don't know. It's tough. It's tough to see. And you don't have the running back like they had before. I mean, like that's a big part of it too. And that's where I was actually going to go with the next two. You kind of took the words out of my mouth is there was no problems on offense for Ohio state. They still put up 28 points. CJ Stroud gave you 484 yards and three touchdowns on 54 pass attempts. Their lead running back, Mayan Williams gave you 14 carries for 77 yards. Trayvon Henderson even gave you a touchdown, four and a half yards of carry. Jackson Smith with seven for 145 and two touchdowns. Chris Olave, a more than likely first round pick your receiver, if not one of those guys that goes to the second round and destroys in his rookie year. 12 receptions for 126 yards as well, too. Garrett Wilson, eight for 117 and a touchdown. Like they were offense was at a premium for Ohio State normal and for a team that's you look at the last 10 NFL draft class, it feels like there's a mandatory one to six Ohio State defensive players that get taken the first two rounds. Going back to the Bosa's, the Hook, Malik Hookers, the Marshawn Lattimore, who just played a part in shutting down Def- Devontae Adams. Just you, The list goes on and on when you look at linebackers, Baron Browning, Chase Young. I could, We could do this all day with defensive players from Ohio State. And there was no defense to be found. They could not tackle on Oregon, anyone from Oregon at all. C.J. Verdell, 20 carries for 161 yards, two touchdowns. Anthony Brown, 10 for 65. Travis Dye, 8 for 43 in a touchdown. Like, my goodness, it's 
it was like when you, those peewee schools, when there's that one kid that's super like Derrick Henry, basically in high school where nobody wants to tackle him. Yes. They try, but they just get sick of it after a while. So this is what it felt like from basically the second quarter on when Oregon just took it straight to him. It was a rushing clinic to which Chip Kelly would be really happy. This is kind of like what he did at Oregon with all the rushing yards sort of thing, different type of play style, but similar overall results rushing the ball. But for Ohio State and Ryan Day, they got to figure out what it was defensively, how they let that happen. And offensively, C.J. Stroud's a stud. I don't know if he's necessarily Justin Fields, but you can't be that spoiled. Gosh dang, you can't get two Justin Fields back-to-back. You're not Clemson with Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. And even they, looks like they're taking a step back. Now, eventually, it's got to come to roost a little bit. So I think C.J. Stroud's just fine. I don't think you consider benching him. He did not lose you that game by any means. No, not at all. Look, I have C.J. Stroud as one of my potential young players of the year for 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 the for, for college football just because he is still technically a freshman i know he's a red shirt but still a freshman nonetheless to be coming in and playing the way he is I, he has everything built for him to be successful um but you're exactly right that defense is gonna have to have to fix itself but moving on with defense related things i mean can we talk about the defense of the what i don't even know what to call this anymore it's no longer a dynasty it's like it's like our great overlords at this point in time in Alabama. Can they stop being this good? Is it possible that they could just stop being good for once? Like I had Miami possibly beating them in week one and they told me to shut up and and say like never happening again. And they just keep winning. Like Alabama is terrifying. I don't know what Nick Saban is feeding these kids anymore, but that's offense. It's defense. I mean, how many, how how many more years are we going to see this Alabama team? Like, is this an Alabama team that we're going to see? go undefeated this season do you think uh i don't know about that i think it they have a good they have a shot we're gonna really find out what they have against florida this week so i think florida is another pretty good team the question is can florida score the points to keep up with alabama and that i'm not sure of. but as you mentioned we talked about it felt like this might be the year maybe alabama takes a step back maybe they're not the overlords as you mentioned you lose mac wilson Najee harris jalen waddle Devontae's Devontae smith you lose so many players alex leatherwood the lit Barmore, the list goes on and on. Patrick Sertan, I'm getting tired just listing these players that were taken the first two rounds. And you meet arguably his best team ever, depending on who you talk to, but maybe the best Alabama team ever, if not in Nick Saban's tenure. Well, and they they don't miss a beat. You bring in all new players across where it looks like they have two more first round receivers. Quarterback looks really, really darn good. Like, I don't know how he does it. But says to your point, I really don't know how it does it. The other years when he would do that you would have kind of somebody that came back. Like last year, you had Najee Harris coming back. You had Devontae Smith. You had all them coming back. Amari Cooper left. You knew you had Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley leaves. You knew you had Jerry, Judy, Ruggs. Those guys leave. You know who you have. You always knew who was coming back this year. We didn't really know what to expect, and they exceeded expectations right out of the gate against a tough and game Miami team. It's not like they played South Central Louisiana State Mud Dogs to start the season and get a get a tune-up game. They get went right at it against a potential ACC contending team there as well too that might have been they would definitely you could tell they were looking at a potential playoff spot towards the end of the year with Clemson possibly taking a step back they thought it was going to be their time but Alabama continues to roll I don't even like you said I don't know what to say like I did not expect them to come out of the gate looking like look like these guys have played together for two years honestly when they a lot of them it's probably their first time playing and yeah. since they were in high school oh no doubt I mean like especially playing together I mean it's, there's no doubt about it that this is the first time I mean and Alabama, for the first time in recruiting that I can remember, didn't land every prospect they wanted. There was a quarterback prospect that ironically ended up going to going to Auburn from LSU that they were trying to get to replace old Mac Jones, but they couldn't get him, and he ended up at Auburn, ironically enough. 
but it doesn't look like it matters. Like it really doesn't look like it matters at all. They are so good right now. It is terrifying to see. Do you think Bryce Young has a reasonable shot at the Heisman? We're obviously only a couple of games in, so I mean, it might be jumping early, but do you think, do you put him in that top two to three spot already? Right now you have to, I feel like you have to, like, I don't think there's anybody else up there that you could put up there. Like, I feel like this is a situation where he may not sustain it for the whole season, but for right now, yeah. Yeah. He looks like a top four player in the nation. 100%. So I feel like him and Spencer Rattler, the guys right up there as well. You really have to consider. I mean, nobody else like it was like CJ Stroud after week one. And even after week two, he is great, but losing to Oregon, that does that hold you back. Even Oregon, we mentioned some of the guys they have. Like maybe if Brown continues to do this and Oregon runs the table, maybe Anthony Brown, a quarterback, could do something, a dual threat type quarterback. There's, it's really obviously too early for the Heisman race. There's, but it seems like everybody that ever, that was like the favorites going into the season has already lost a little bit of steam as well too. Like DJ from Clemson's already lost a little bit of steam. Spencer Rattler's hanging around. He hasn't looked exceptional, but he's he has the numbers. He's still Spencer Rattler in Oklahoma. That he's still going to put up the digits. He's we talked. It's tough, like just looking at it. like usually every year we have a couple guys come in and they usually hold it off and then somebody explodes late. Right now it feels like some of those top guys have already started to fizzle just a little bit. It's obviously early, way too early to be making any bold predictions now, but it's very interesting to notice too. This year feels very different coming off of last year's COVID year as well. Yeah, and kind of one like, you know, you mentioned these prospects potentially for Heisman. Uh, one is a former Auburn guy named Malik Willis for Liberty. Obviously we talked about he broke onto the scene last year. Uh, this year, not looking as good. I mean, his completion rates, everything, still looks really, really nice. Sixty-eight point six percent for for the, or sorry, sixty-eight point three percent for the season, but only three total touchdowns. Getting been sacked five times. They are still two and zero Liberty. So let's not forget Liberty absolutely lit it up last season in the rankings and ended up in the top twenty-five ranking at the end of the season. But and Malik Willis was a big part of this. I just I'm not seeing the same Malik Willis we saw last year. Uh, and, and that's kind of like, that's worrisome because he's my dark horse for the Heisman, or he's actually my guy who probably should win the Heisman, but will probably be overlooked because he's at Liberty um, for sure. But I, I, I do like, to your point, like he's my kind of dark horse, him and Sam Howell. I mean, where's Sam Howell gone? UNC's quarterback. Like he was supposed to be the next big thing and he's disappeared completely. So it's, it's kind of, it's a bummer to watch that these, these young kids after such a fantastic COVID season here, when there's actually fans in the stands to appreciate their work, uh, not not really able to do the same things again. Absolutely. And just to piggyback off that, my dark horse, I'm going to stick with that kind of half-hearted thing I just said, but thinking more about it, I'm going to go with this. C.J. Verdell, the running back from Oregon, I'm going to keep him as my potential guy to keep an eye out for. for Maybe makes a Heisman, especially if Oregon can not Oregon and maybe run the table, win the Pac-12 outright, maybe secure a spot. Never know. It might go off his back. It might be Anthony Brown. So those are some dark horse guys I'll keep an eye on. And before we get out of the college football segment, we'd be, hard, we'd be remiss not to mention the number one offense, and the number one defensive team in the nation and the Auburn Tigers coming out with an absolutely incredible start to the season as well too. 58 to 14, if I'm not mistaken, then 63 to nothing. Two games. First time they've scored 60 plus points in their first two games since 1932. Since the, since they played with leather helmets, this is the first time they put up back to back 60 point games. And, and yeah, look, and everybody should be like, oh, well, it was against Alabama State. And, oh, it was, you know, not great talent. Look, they're doing things against against human beings on the field that most NFL players can't do against air. Like, it's crazy to me. You have your quarterback throwing for nearly 90% completion rate. That's insanity to think about. 
No quarterback does that even in practice, unless you're Tom Brady. That's just because he throws little five-yard passes, and it's like, all right, it works. But other than that, like no other quarterback will do that because mentally, like in practice, you're not always on. You're not always on, and you just have simple lapses. So, like, he's doing something in in in, a, in game situations that some players or some coaches or some some players could never even do in their career in practice against air. Absolutely crazy. And they're going to get their first test of the season this weekend while they take on Penn State. And if I'm not mistaken, it's the whiteout game as well, too. So that's yeah. definitely going to be something as well. We'll see what both teams are made of in that one as well, too. And if you don't, if you're not able to watch it or you're outside the area, you could tune in the color cast because we will be on the call for that game as well, too, being our first college football game of the season. So definitely tune in for that one. Should be a, a good old fun time as well, too, calling those two potential top 10 to 15 caliber teams as well, too. Auburn slowly climbing up the ranks as well, too, after these insane performances and Penn state perennially a top 25 team as well too. So it should be a great showdown. Yeah. And, and, uh, and I got a lot on the, on the line here. I'm going to have to sing uh, the Penn state fight song. If Auburn loses on our next color cast, which is just going to happen to be Sunday night. If, if, if Auburn loses to Penn state, that is the case. However, if Auburn wins, then my friend from uh, interceptor lunch will be coming on to sing the Auburn fight song during halftime of the game, which I cannot wait for. So if you guys you don't remember, I went on Inter- Intercept Your Lunch recently uh, and did their uh, show for a, a, one time, and that was absolutely fantastic, and we got to talking about it. And we got a bet on the line, Penn State-Auburn, so winner winner has to sing, or loser has to sing the other person's fight song. So be sure to stay tuned for that. It'll be absolutely fantastic. But as you mentioned, DJ, we do have a lot more to get to, and that is the NFL, which takes us to our main event brought to you by Swift Lifestyles. If you guys haven't already checked out Swift Lifestyles, head on over to swiftlifestyles.com. Go ahead and pick out your favorite drink flavor. And what it is is a clean energy energy drink. So it's a lot like those gamer fuels you see out there. And it's clean. It's one of the few clean. It's the only clean one on the market. And on top of that, you type in Hilo Sports into the coupon section. You get 15% off of your order. And it kicks back to us here at the podcast. Helps us out a lot. And, you know, DJ, we both have, have tried it. We have the bubblegum flavor. We have the blue rasp flavor. Both are fantastic absolutely Both wonderful don't leave it don't leave a weird aftertaste don't make you feel itchy afterwards too like some pre-workouts do definitely would highly recommend it too just if you need a little bit of a kick not if you're trying to make not if you're trying to run a marathon or sprint uphill and climb a building with no just running straight up like a half pipe but definitely would recommend it too if you just need a little bit of a kick to start the day or maybe if you're about to do a little bit of a little bit of aerobic activity and just want a little extra pick me up after work yeah so basically what you're saying no spider-man activities just normal human being lifting activities, you'll be fine. Exactly. Just keep it keep it normal, and it'll be just what you need. Exactly. But so that takes us to this NFL season. We just had week one. We had an absolutely wild week one. And that brings us to what we're going to do now for the main event for all of NFL season. We're going to call it our three high, three low. DJ and I both have three players we, ha- we are high on. We both have three players we are low on. Who knows? Maybe some of these players might be the exact same. Maybe I break the rules and choose a player for both of them this time. Like I always break our rules for these. So we'll see. But DJ, let's get us started. Who are your first on the three high from this week one? All right. So we're going to start off with who I'm high on after all this as well, too. We're not, we'll, we're going to get to the lows in a second, but I'm going to actually start with an entire unit. We're not going to do just one player because we can talk teams. We can talk units. We just, what are we on? I'm going to start with the Saints defense. Just the entirety as a, as a, as a whole, because they were really good last year. They were good the year before that. They were pretty good the year before that. What they did to that Green Bay in week one, Marshawn Lattimore just getting paid a King's ransom and immediately showing why he was worth it, considering he's had quite a few ups and downs since his rookie year. Definitely showing he deserved it. One of those Ohio State guys we mentioned earlier. 
Demario Davis still looks like one of the best off-ball linebackers in the game. Cameron Jordan has not missed a step. They lost Trey Hendrickson, who had 14-something sacks last year. Nope, they're good. Not missing, not missing a beat as well, too. Marcus Williams, one of the most underrated safeties in the game. That defense was absolutely sensational, and it complemented the offense perfectly, too. So I'm really high on the Saints' defense, and maybe even for fantasy points could be something to look at as well, too, because they do get takeaways as well. One thing they've always been pretty good at is taking the ball away, even when they weren't that great. So I am high on the Saints defense after week one, to say the least. And I think it's only up from here. The only time I'd worry about them is when they're playing the likes of like Tampa Bay or something like that. But that, that that's not their fault. That's just what Tampa Bay being the greatest assembly of assemblance of roster pieces I've ever seen in my life. Like, is there a greater assemble of talent ever? No, the answer is no. So anytime they're not playing anyone besides Tampa, I would definitely be looking out for the Saints defense. I like that pick a lot. I like it a lot. Absolutely as well, too. And now we'll go to my, the first one that I am low on as well, too. So we'll go a high and a low. For low, I'm looking at another unit. I'm looking at the Colts offensive line after week one. One of the best on pure reputation alone. They are considered a top five offensive line. Just when they walk off the bus, like, all right, there's number, there's at least a top three or four offensive line. Quinn Nelson alone is a top five offensive line. They got absolutely cooked by a average to below average Seahawks front seven. Maybe they are great and we just haven't seen it. But based on what we saw last year, and the pieces that have come in and, and left, they got absolutely worked. Carson was running for his life. He w- got hit once and thought he woke up in Philadelphia. There was no room for Jonathan Taylor, Naeem Hines. Like, they got absolutely worked. There was no room to run. One, two, three, get the ball. It wasn't even possible half the time. And even Tom Brady would be a little bit flustered behind that with his one, two balls gone offense as well, too. So it's obviously preseason injuries. We know Quentin Nelson had the foot thing because everyone on the Colts had a damn foot thing. Brian Kelly missed a lot of time in practice. Brandon Smith missed some time as well. So we obviously know, and it's, there's a little bit less preseason games, less training camp time to get acclimated. But if you're the Colts, you cannot feel too good. A team that we both had pretty decent expectations on considering on paper, that roster is loaded. All Carson needs to do is honestly what he did. Just do exactly what you did and don't get hit as don't be hit as much. Unfortunately, and let your defense not get toasted. And they're a team that we have high expectations for. So my first low that I'm on is the Colts offensive line, considering that's supposed to be their strong suit. And it was all but that. It was basically wet tissue paper against the Seahawks at home to start the season. So, and then you got Aaron Donald coming to town next. So that's something to be able to, that's always concerning as well, too. So we'll see how they handle that. So Kelsey, give us your first high and your first low. Yeah. So my first high, I'm actually sticking with the same team as yours, your first high. That's the Saints, but I'm going with the offensive side. And that's to the crab eating W man himself. That is Jameis Winston. I look, I've given him enough stick. Over our, our career on high low sports, uh, I got to give him the credit when it's due though. What he was able to do, I I I cannot fathom a better stat line for efficiency than what he was able to do. All right, he threw for a seventy percent completion rate, one hundred and forty eight yards and five touchdowns. They only gave him a hundred and thirty point eight QBR, and I still think that's that's robbery. Like, if there's a new record you could set for a QBR in this situation, he should have been able to set it at, like, 300. Because this is – you don't throw five touchdowns with under 200 passing yards unless your defense is as fantastic as, you you know, you make him as your high. I totally get that because they set him up in his own side of the field, like, attacking the the Green Bay side of the field, almost every possession. I mean, that was fantastic. What he's able to do, The the some of the passes we saw, it was – very reminiscent of Florida State National Championship level Jameis, where he's putting the ball where only his receiver can catch it. There was one he threw to Jawan Johnson. 
six foot four Juwan Johnson, who's now a tight end. And it was like 12 feet high. Only Juwan Johnson could go up and get it and come back down and be in the inbounds. And literally that's what happened. An alley-oop. He just threw an alley-oop. Who we kidding? It was Chris Paul to Blake Griffin back in the day. It really was. I mean, yeah, yeah. You call it Lob City if you want to in, in New Orleans right now. But it's it's so interesting to watch. And then on top of that, he also had his deep ball working. I mean, he hit a seam route in between two safeties that I've never seen Jameis hit before. And I kind of joked before the season that don't be surprised if you see Jameis compete for a three, like a 4,000, 5,000-yard season. I might be, I might be dead on and by accident, like he is, he looks real. And this is, again, this is week one armchair quarterback. I'm super feeling super hype about Jameis right now. If you're a fantasy football player, go pick up Jameis on the, on, on the board. He's probably there. He was only rostered in like 30% of leagues in ESPN. So you probably have a chance at him. I, I mean, like, I don't see why not at the very least you take a flyer on this guy who has in his worst season put up. 20 touchdowns, or there's like 25 touchdowns and 17 picks, but he still had over 4,000 yards in his worst season. So he's going to get you yardage. He just might throw some picks. But now he can see the guys. So now he won't throw picks, I guess, is the way this works. I don't know. I'm going to piggyback off that, too, but adding on to the LASIK eye surgery, Javis Winston, too. Good shout-out to Sean Payton for making the right move. We joked all offseason, like, oh, he has such a weird love affair with Taysom Hill. It doesn't matter. It's going to be Taysom Hill no matter what. Shout-out to him for making what has clearly been proven the right decision because Taysom Hill doesn't even have five touchdown passes in his career. Like, even you can even include his college days. I'm pretty sure he doesn't as well, too. He's a multiversal guy that can kind of throw the ball a little bit better than most skill position guys. That's about it. So, going with Jameis, an actual quarterback who, for all of his faults, interceptions, everything else aside, he is your actual quarterback on the roster and was the number one pick in the draft for a reason and was considered a, one of the best quarterback prospects in the last 15 years for a reason. So, kudos to him for not, for basically proving us wrong, saying that he's going to pick Taysom Hill with this weird love affair whatever it is he has with Taysom Hill where he feels the need to play him all the time. So give him credit where credit is due in that regard. We'll see if it continues and it pays off or how long it lasts, but so far so good one weekend, as you mentioned. Yeah, no. So we'll have to see. I mean, I look, I, I have Juwan Johnson on my fantasy football team. Now I had Marquez Callaway, obviously Callaway did not get any burn, but that was, I feel like maybe down more to the defensive side of things for green Bay. They put Yair Alexander on him. So, uh, you know, you're not going to do a whole lot against him. Uh, so I, I decided to switch it up. I went Juwan Johnson because literally there's nobody that can stop a six foot four man that can jump 12 feet in the air. Um, and very few players out there can. And now him going against Carolina. We'll see. I, 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 I might eat my words in week two. I might have Jameis in my low come week two. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, but my, my, my first low, if you guys followed our Twitter account during Thursday night football, uh, you under, you might, you might understand what I, what I'm about to say, but Greg Zerline, and just in general, Cowboys kickers over the last three, four seasons have just driven me up a wall. But right now, Greg Zerloin is the one I'm looking at. Five of three, or three of five in his field goal attempts for, for against the Buccaneers, 60% on the day. But you also have to include he missed an extra point. If it's not for Greg Zerloin missing chips chip shot filled goals like he can hit a 48 yarder no problem he hit that like it was easy he misses everything and sh- shorter than that like wait, wait what are you doing to me greg but if it's not for greg zerloin missing the cowboys win that game just that simple your job is to kick it through the uprights yes i get there are some bad days there's inclement weather but you're playing in tampa bay on opening night and you have a chance to get one up on the super bowl champions and make your team get off on the right foot your nickname is Greg the Leg for your successful career as a kicker. 
But yet, here you are, missing, gimme, gimme field goals. And not just missing, like, and they were missing, like, they were bad. Like They were shanks. You don't do that. You don't do that if you're a veteran. You don't do that if you're if you're expecting to be a long-term kicker for the rest of the league. Like and and you know it's funny because I actually went and looked through some some TikToks after this on uh, fantasy football TikTok and one of the I, I found a guy that does a league that actually rewards you for missed kicks. His kicker was Greg Zerloin. He won his league fifty thousand point advantage because of the missed kicks from Greg Zerloin. That's how they reward their missed kicks. I couldn't believe it. Like that's how how bad he beat everybody else because Greg Zerloin missed gimmies. You get so many points for inside a forty yard misses. It's just like that's that's a microcosm of how I feel as a Cowboys fan sitting here watching what should be a gimme kick miss every time. And like I don't feel comfortable. I just feel like I'm just gonna have a heart attack every time Greg Zerline steps in there. Bring back bring back Dan Bailey is my whole thing. So Greg Zerline, my number one low. Like he's my first low. I could have given him my number one low, but I'm saving that for somebody special. Okay, this will be this will be fun as well, too. So we'll go to my second high as well, too. And I'm gonna go with a full entire division, too. We're going to go with the NFC West as a whole. The Seahawks roll into Indianapolis, a fourth-place team. Russell Wilson drops four touchdowns, and they win that one comfortably 28-16. The Arizona Cardinals coming out just kind of missing the playoffs last year, after, especially after Kyler Murray's injury. They take on former AFC South-winning Tennessee Titans and absolutely manhandle them from the get-go, 31-13. I think it was something along those lines, 38-13. Kyler Murray puts up five touchdowns. Diop gets a couple. Chandler Jones with five sacks including three in the first quarter. If he continues at this pace, he will break the all-time sack record by about halfway through week, week four. Yeah. They, obviously, he's not going to keep this up, but that's absolutely ridiculous. And then just going down the line, the Rams. Matthew Stafford, I think, announced too that they have arrived on Sunday Night Football against the Bears. He walked in there and was like, guys, I'm here, and here we go, guys. And now the Rams have announced themselves as we are a contender yet again. And, of course, you can't even forget the 49ers too. They went. They, I know it was Detroit, not exactly – the team that most people are heavily concerned about. And it went a little bit closer than you thought, but they dropped 41 on them with yeah. two quarterbacks. Without like, using Brandon Ayuk at all. At all. And with Raheem Mostert going down for the season early on as well, too. So NFC West is the one I'm high on, too. Like, all four of those teams should be in the playoffs. I know – just get them all in there. We'll figure out the rest later. Don't care what the situation is. Don't care how. Just throw them all in there. Yeah. Like, that's just – that's the way it should be. 100%. Look, I, I – you know, in our, in our preseason predictions, I had them all going 9-8. and eight. Minus one team getting that lucky win and going 10 and seven. I feel a little more comfortable about that, believe it or not, with the, the way they're performing because they just, they're going to beat each other up. I feel like it's the inevitability of it all that at the end of the day, these teams are going to end up killing each other's hopes at the, at the postseason because they're just going to keep beating up on each other at the end just of the day. Put them all at 10 and seven and we'll figure out the rest later. That's just how we'll do it, right? <laughs> yeah. And then I'm going to go to another division for what I am low on. I'm looking at the NFC North. I mean, there's a couple divisions out there that are really low, but this one, everybody is 0-1. And the Vikings are the top of the division because they got whooped the least because they only lost by a field goal. Basically, margin of defeat is why they are at the top of a division right now. They lost to the Bengals, overtime field goal, really good final drive from Kirk Cousins. Hook it up with Osborne of all people, not Justin Jefferson, not Adam Phelan, but Osborne, not Dalvin Cook, Osborne, to set up that game-tying field goal. And then Joe Burrow just had a sensational overtime just him, Jamar Chase, fantastic duo. And by the way, Jamar Chase, he can catch the football for all you naysayers too. Maybe listen to the full quote and actually listen with your ears before you say he's a bust. Yeah, just, he was a, just he throwing was, that he was out a smoke there. Screen. That that exactly. that whole he can't catch the football thing was a smoke screen. You know it. That was absolutely blown out of proportion. And simp- 
it's different catching a ball when you're looking for a certain landmark. Everybody can relax. He's still Jamar Chase, and he proved it. A top four performing rookie receiver as well. Fantastic. You look at the Packers. We already mentioned the Saints. Absolutely smacked him up and down the field. 38-3, Aaron Rodgers and his mullet not looking good. That was just an absolute mess. Not a lot more to say about that. The Rams, we mentioned, announced themselves against the Bears. We saw limited Justin Fields. Still scored a touchdown. Get Justin Fields out there full-time, Matt Nagy. It's over. The Andy Dalton experiment is done. I don't care what you told Andy Dalton in the offseason. Get Justin Fields on the field, and you might have a job and a playoff spot, as we expect if you get him out there quicker. We'll see if they actually follow suit. But, yeah. And we mentioned also the Lions as well, too. Really, honestly, a lot more competitive than I thought they'd be, especially going against a healthy 49ers team that was healthy at the time. The Lions, arguably the worst roster in the NFL, overall top to bottom. Brand new head coach, new quarterback, new everything. They're clearly building for the future. Weirdly competitive. I mean, I know they were down for quite a bit, but they made it. The final score is pretty close. They scored more than 30 points. Jared Goff had his moments. He looked like a solid NFL quarterback, still threw for 300 plus yards, three touchdowns. Obviously, this team is not winning a whole lot of games this year. They just they don't have the horses for it. But I think they showed they're not going to be a rug either. So, like, weirdly enough, the Lions, a team that was at one point down like 30 to 13 or something like that, is the team I'm highest on in this division. Like, that was a really, really – it was a rough opening week for the NFC North. but for, And then for the NFC West, though, shout-out to them. Obviously, like, the AFC South struggled with Houston being the only team that won. There were other ones you could apply this to as well, too. The AFC East didn't look too great either. So, there's, you could go very, very different ways with this one. But those are the two I'm sticking with because when you are at the top of your division because you got beat by the least, that is not a good look for a division. When your entire division goes 4-0, like, with most of them playing contenders, that's pretty good, too. I'm just glad it wasn't the NFC East getting getting one of the nods for your lows here after last season's NFC least performance consistently last year. So. I had such low expectations for them that I wasn't going to mark them. And Jalen Hurts and the Eagles surprised that you know what out of me with what they did to Atlanta. Not that they won, it's how they won. That was what was kind of surprising. But everything else is kind of yeah. to be expected. Yeah, and, and you know, unfortunately, I am not going to going to pick anybody from the Eagles. I should probably give the Eagles some credit, but yeah, again, as a Cowboys fan, I think I might. Well, I'd probably lose all credit as a Cowboys fan anyways with how much I hate on the Cowboys. But, you know what? I don't want to lose it anymore by hating on the by, by giving the Eagles any credit. So, my my next high, I'm actually going to go with Dak Prescott. Returning from injury, looking absolutely fantastic. 42 of 58, 403 yards in a return. Three touchdowns. Obviously, he had one pick. Not totally his fault on the pick, let's be honest. It It was just one of those things that happens. And he led this team into a position to have a chance to win. And again, I keep going back to the Greg Zerloin thing. All he has to do is hit a field goal. One of the two field goals that he misses, this is a it's a one-point win for the Cowboys. If he hits the extra point, it's a two-point win for the Cowboys. If he hits both field goals, well, guess what? It's a five-point win if you hit the extra point. The Cowboys would have won. But here you are. Um, you know, it is what it is. And for the this defense as well looked good. But really, I'm looking at Dak just coming off the injury. He looked solid, especially when you consider the shoulder woes in the preseason. You were kind of worried, like, oh, man, is he going to be okay? Threw the ball 58 times, only had 16 incompletions in those 58 tries. Pretty impressive. I Like, to get back off the field and not be on the injury report this week, it, it's I got to say it's a successful outing for Dak in game one. Um, again, I, I still kind of worry about the empty calorie stats. That's still going to be there because that's forever going to be my worry with this team. Um, but yeah, that's my, that's my, my next high 
And on the next low, I'm going to stick with the Cowboys. This is a very Cowboys-heavy list, if you wouldn't imagine, because they're so disappointing in Week 1 at the same time of, of Dak being so successful. Uh, and that's Zeke. You're the bell cow. You're a bell cow. You're considered a top five running back by many pundits out there. 11 carries. You had the ball 11 times. And you could only average three yards a carry for a total of 33 yards. And your name is Zeke. You are Ezekiel Elliott. You are a top first round draft pick out of Ohio State University. You're supposed to be a bell cow. You're supposed to be the next big thing. I have yet to see the next big thing since he took that vacation to Mexico two years ago. That's <laughs> just being honest. I have yet to see Zeke be that guy anymore. Tony Pollard touched the ball three times, had 14 yards, averaged 4.7 yards a carry. Give him the ball more. Give somebody a chance. To pick up back off thing you said with Dak, the one, my, my biggest concern thing with everything said about Dak, you had him throw the ball 58 times. Like with that pass rush too, that was just, Kellen Moore, I know you are a really creative play caller. You got a really deep bag of tricks, but maybe I know we talked about Zeke Izzy that he did not look great. Maybe just handed the ball a couple more times just for the sake of not getting Dak under in danger. Open up play action a little bit. Like let Zeke run into a brick wall a few more times just so you don't put Dak in that position. Maybe eight more carries for Tony Pollard and Dak, or excuse me, Tony Pollard and Zeke, and then 50 attempts for Dak, you know, especially considering he hasn't played in 18 months. 58 attempts was a little. Little reckless there, especially against that pass rush. And I know Tampa Bay is the leading rush defense last year by a comfortable margin. I think the Colts are number two by and still like 10 yards away or something, 10 yards per game away. Yeah. But still, I, I know it feels hopeless to even try running, but still, that is a very, very dinged up quarterback who hasn't played in a long time. You kind of did him dirty, but luckily he he thrived under it. Well, it was it's interesting enough you mentioned that because when you look at the stats for the breakdown from first half to second half, Zeke had eight carries in the first half. Cowboys only scored 16 points. They were down 21 to 16 at half. In the second half, with Zeke getting only three touches, Cowboys outscored the, the Bucks 13 to 10 over that. So it's that half a dozen, you know, six in one hand, half a dozen in the other of what the actual was. Is it, is it the, 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 is it the running game's fault? Is it the passing game's fault? Is it just the way the game worked out? I don't know, but I, I do kind of agree with you. Obviously, I don't want to see Dak throw the ball 60 freaking times in a game. That's not a recipe for success. But at the same time, if Zeke's only giving you three yards of carry, they got to figure something out there. I do think Tony Pollard would be more of an answer than, than to keep giving the ball to Zeke uh, just because it's that change of pace back. But I don't know. Cowboys need to figure something out because one half is good of the dynamic duo. The other half is giving you three yards of carry. So I mean, throw the ball to Zeke even in the flats, and if they have to do like some laterals, do something with them. I don't know. Just find ways to utilize him so Dak's not getting hit. Get the ball out of hands quicker is all I'm thinking too. But yeah. I agree with you on that one. We need to see more better Zeke. He needs to play like that first round fantasy running back that everyone talks about too. That first round pick running back who's rookie of the year who jumped into a Salvation Army hole. Yeah, exactly. I want that Zeke back. Bring me that Zeke. We we need to add Zeke back again too with like you know trimmed haircut and whatnot too. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so your last, your last high, your last low, DJ. So we'll start with my last high, and we're actually going to go with the final game of the week, looking at the Las Vegas Raiders getting their home debut with fans, Allegiant Stadium, that death star that it is to Derek Carr, the Ravens and Lamar Jackson coming into town Monday night. I thought they honestly played pretty well overall. I mean, obviously went to overtime, and I was more, I was impressed with they were about to do the most Raiders thing ever and choke away the game, and then they still managed to come back and win the game after the ball bounced off Willie Sneed's face and got intercepted in the red zone. It looked like, oh, great, woe is Raiders. The game was over, and they choked it away. 
Then they still managed to come back and get a chance and get Brian Edwards that deep bomb for a touchdown. Derek Carr, fantastic read scene. Marlon Humphrey slacking off and with the pass rush in his face, throws a beautiful lob pass. But at the same, and then at the same time, Max Crosby, Mad Max, my goodness, that dude was chasing Lamar Jackson all night long. Like he had reservations in Lamar's hip pocket basically the entire time. And we talked about Max Crosby as a really good up and coming pass rusher. He looks sensational like a guy that could be, I don't want to say competing for defense player of the year. It's week one. Let's not get hasty. And he only technically registered one sack. But my goodness, that motor was absolutely insane. Carl Nassif, a fantastic feel-good story from the offseason, coming in and getting a big sack as well. Jonathan Abram having some good plays. Like As a whole, I really like what I saw from the Raiders. Darren Waller looking like Darren Waller. I mean, my goodness, he's still fantastic. Hunter Renfro, when he got for a while there, he was the only reliable receiver for them. So other guys started getting open, had 70-something yards. Josh Jacobs with an injured foot gives you two touchdowns. Like, really high on the Raiders after what I saw yesterday. I thought, or on Monday, I thought it was a really, really good performance. And now looking at who I'm low on, well, I'm low on the Raiders, honestly, after that one as well, too. I'm low on it because John Gruden still has not figured out his personnel usage. You go way too many times. We saw Alex Ingold sitting on the field in those drills when you needed pass catchers and guys out there to spread the field where Alex Ingold was just standing there. There's a wasted body. He's there for your power run game and short yardage, not to be spread out in a five-wide set. For Moreau as well, the second tight end, similar situation. You're spreading out in five-wide sets. Hunter Renfro, I mentioned, was your most effective receiver most of the night. He was, I barely saw him on the, it felt like you played every other play. He showed up when you needed him to. He got open weirdly enough. It seems like he only gets to play on third downs because third and run froze his nickname. I guess that's the only time or the slot machine, whatever nicknames you want to give him. It feels like that's the only time they think they could play him. Henry Ruggs, a first round pick at receiver. I know he hasn't quite lived up to your expectations, but could you be any worse at using that guy? I mean, I know he has a top three, four, five fastest guy in the game right now or in the league. That doesn't mean you have to run him deep every single play. That's not really his game. That doesn't mean you have to run end arounds for him or make him a kick returner. Throw, he, people are going to back off of him with that speed. Throw a little hitch route to him. They're going to back off. Let him run a slant across that face and yards after the catch like he did at Alabama. Screens to him. Let him do that and just get behind a couple of blockers. Darren Waller is amazing. You don't have to target him 29 times in a game. It's Of course, he's going to put up 13 catches, for 130 yards, and a couple touchdowns when you target him for an entire game straight. Josh Jacobs had an injured foot and you still kept pounding him in there. You, you, you could see him limping out the field, basically dying. He looked like he was having his own flu game and he's the one who saved you basically down the stretch. Kenyon Drake was fantastic. You should have used him more. I just, the offensive line, a little bit shaky still Alex Leatherwood, the penalties and just not moving for some reason on passing downs, just getting blown off the ball. Little things like that. Trayvon Merrick, fantastic safety. I don't remember hardly seeing him. I don't know if they just didn't utilize him or what was going on. Just some of the, I'm high on the result for the Raiders and what they could do, but I'm low on the seems like the same issues we saw last year carrying over, even though they had good draft class. I thought maybe another year we Darren Waller's that dude was, I thought they'd change some things. Kenyon Drake to balance things out. You got rid of Nelson Aguilar, which opened up more room for Edwards and Renfro and Ruggs. Nope. It's kind of just the same thing as well too. Weird personnel choices, weird play calling, weird setups, terrible management. Honestly. I mean, they nearly lost the game like three times. I felt like, they like John Gruden said it best. He felt like a cat out there with so many damn lives. And that's the best way to say it is how they basically survived that game with a underperforming Ravens team is how we'll look at as well too. So I'm high on what the Raiders could do and what they showed, but I'm low on the same old Raiders, unfortunately too. Like the Raiders is the Raiders to paraphrase a certain receiver more or less. So I'm hopeful that they can figure out how to use the guy because they have talent there. They, like they have guys that could get them a wild card potential playoff contention ship. 
But man, those some of those issues we talked about from last year and the year before, they still resonate there. So curious to see if they change throughout the year. But good on Derek Carr too, leading the league in passing yards and showing he's still he's got game too. As much as people like to hate on Derek Carr, he can play. Yeah, one hundred percent. No, I, I I get being high and low on them uh, because you're exactly right. I mean, like it's they they looked they got the win in successful fashion at home in overtime, but they could have gotten the win at home in regulation in a much more emphatic fashion had they actually used their players correctly. They could have got in an overtime in a much different fashion too. There's like the guys that juggle the ball like three times, then catch it. That's basically what they did is they had to catch the ball three times to get the catch. They, they didn't, they could have just got it the first time too. And who would have thought I'd be the one to break the rules of this so far too. I mean, normally you're the rule breaker likes to cheat the system, but I, you know, I follow within the rules. I just finagle them. So Kelsey, who's your final high and your final low? Well, uh, so you're not the only one to break the rules, but you were just the first one to break the rules. So I guess that makes you the trendsetter this time. I finagled um, the rules. You're about to break them. I'm about to 100% break them. You are correct. Uh, my high is Josh Allen, 30 of 51, 270 yards, one touchdown, had 44 rushing yards, looked fantastic for a half and a comeback at the very end of the game. But the third quarter is what I'm low on. The th- Well, the third quarter in the middle half of the fourth is where I'm really low on Josh Allen. The fumble, the stagnation of the team, just not reading where the pass rush was coming from. It was ugly third quarter and, and middle of the fourth for Josh Allen. And I hated every single moment of it. It was it was not what you want to see at all from a guy who was just an MVP. He took the step to become an MVP caliber player. And now this season, a lot of people are being like, okay, yeah, he can be that dude. He can make that next step again. Well, he uh, he did he he showed that he can make that next step in the first half. Second half, the really the third quarter. I I don't know what to believe right now. So I'm high and I'm low on this guy because I just don't know what to what what to really believe yet. But I'm still hoping, holding out hopes that he is the MVP caliber candidate that I picked. Absolutely, I, as well I'm too. holding out those hopes. I have to imagine that it was roughly. I mean, you also played a Steelers defense, which for all account purposes is still loaded as well too. week one, a little bit jittery, maybe a little bit off bounce. So I imagine we'll be fine with Josh on. You still saw what he's capable of him, Stefan Day. So you have to imagine the whole crew is going to be good going throughout the season. You just, it's just weird to think that they would struggle now after what the steps they took the last few years. Absolutely. Now I do. That does make me have to have to pose a question to you. Is Melvin Ingram the most underrated pickup of the off season? Not the most underrated. I'd have to sit down and really think about that, but he's a big-time underrated one as well, too. I feel like when it comes to these pass rush guys like specialists, teams seem to get weary with age. Melvin Ingram, for example, he's fantastic opposite TJ Watt. He's absolutely sensational. So many teams could have used him. Justin Houston, Colts let him go, and they still have a hole at edge rusher. The Ravens pick him up. He got a sack yesterday. He exploded by Alex Leather, but he was like 10 years younger than him. Like I feel like edge rushers in general, just because they get a little bit older and not as fast, they're still incredibly productive, and teams just kind of want to cast them aside. I don't understand that, especially guys that have a long history of not really being often injured. So I think Melvin Ingram could be, especially if the Steelers somehow make the playoffs, playing like they did last, playing like they did in week one, where it's like, all right, defense carry us, and then Ben, don't throw too many picks. If they do like that the whole season, he might just be if he's able to help carry the team with TJ Watt. So a very, very big pickup for sure, to say the least. No doubt. I definitely agree. I, I loved everything I saw from him in that game. He was a, a thorn in the side of Josh Allen, and he is the main reason why TJ Watt will probably have another successful year after signing that huge contract is because teams won't just be able to double Watt on one side and let the other guy go. They're going to have to actually watch Ingram uh, as well because he's equally as deadly. So 
that is that is definitely going to be something for sure to, to keep an eye on. Absolutely. That's still, you have to imagine that's still going to be one of the better defenses as well to also throw out another underrated pickup, Rodney Hudson for the Cardinals as well too. And I know it was literally week one is against Tennessee. who's not exactly an elite defense by any means, but giving Kyler that little bit of extra time and a guy that can help him set the protections and just be an anchor for you up front. Well, my goodness, he starts the season out with five touchdowns and absolutely looks sensational. The best Kyler Murray we've arguably ever seen. So I'm going to say, I think he could be Rodney Hudson could be a guy that down the stretch of the Cardinals are able to make a run. He could prove to be one of those underrated pickups as well, too, that not a whole lot of people talk about. Yeah, no doubt. So that takes us to crunch time, which is if you guys don't remember crunch time, I know it's been a while. It's been five episodes since we had crunch time, but crunch time is very simply our rants, our reviews, our recaps. This is the moment where DJ and I each pick a topic that we can have a discussion about that we haven't really gotten a chance to, and we'll do, we'll do it quickly. This is our, our parting words, if you will. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. So, DJ, what you got for me in crunch time? I want to go on a mini rant. I'm going to keep it quick and efficient, though. I am sick and tired of these celebrities slash really old people slash I can't quite give up, give it up yet boxing matches. And it started with, and the biggest culmination was Vitor Belfort versus Evander Holyfield on such short notice, too, because Oscar De La Hoya was supposed to be the one fighting Vitor. But, of course, he gets sick or something. Like, just there's always something with Oscar De La Hoya. We'll just leave it at that as well, too. And so Evander Holyfield, at 58 years old, decides to step in, who hasn't fought since 2011, if I'm not mistaken, as well, too. He's a guy that's been fighting for before we were born, really. And he's one of the best of all time. But you're sticking him in there with a clearly roided-up Vitor Belfort, who's back on TRT again. The guy is absolutely TRT to the gills is how I'll say. I won't use other phrases, but there's there's plenty of testosterone replacement therapy going through that body. And you have a 58-year-old guy, a 60-year-old man, really, step in to box him on short nose. He looked terrible because he was slow. His arms, he could barely – he has a lifetime of getting punched for a living. And then you have him – and now you're trying to send him back in there at 60 against a guy that's absolutely loaded. We're going to say he's geared up is how I'm going to describe him. So whoever, whatever commission sanctioned this, whoever said this was okay, whatever I – this whole thriller, that's it's just pain. That was so ridiculous. I'm it's visibly upsetting to see a legend of combat sports have to go out like that. Well, another guy who should granted Vitor's 46, he's no spring chicken as well either. He shouldn't be fighting in his first place, but a little bit of pharmaceutical enhancements as well. On top of this, I'm tired of seeing this. I don't want to see it anymore. Just the commissions need to look at it. It's like, no, you can't do this. You're gonna get hurt. No. Co- None of the exhibitions, no, no, no more, no more. Just cut off. The only bright spot was we did get to see 46-year-old Anderson Silva absolutely stone Tito Ortiz in a boxing match, too. It was about 43. Both former fighters probably shouldn't be fighting anymore. Kind of goes a little bit against that as well, too. A little bit less ridiculous, considering they both had the full three months of training and all that. So then it's great to see Tito Ortiz land right on his face, because honestly, every time he speaks, that kind of it's a verbal version of him falling flat on his face, basically. Mm. So it was nice to see a literal version of it as well, too. So great to see Anderson Silva do that. But these weird celebrity thriller boxing matches are starting to get really, really painful and uncomfortable. Seeing that happen to Evander Holyfield was just awful. 
And I'm worried seeing it happen to Chuck Liddell not too long ago either. The guys with all the brain damage they have too, it's, oh, I hate seeing it. And I really hope it gets put to an end soon because I'm worried it's going to get really bad if it continues. I, It's bad enough seeing the weird celebrity boxing matches with people that aren't in their almost at 60 years old. But you keep this up. It's I have really bad fears of a combative sports fan as well moving forward too. And I just, I'm going to focus on the bright spot of Anderson Silva destroying Tito Ortiz because that was hilarious. And I'm going to try and ignore the rest of it. Yeah. No, I don't blame you at all. That's it, it is a worrisome trend, especially when you consider most of these guys that we remember them as, as some of the most fantastic fighters of their of our, our generation, like growing up watching. And now they're they're being remembered as a 30-second clip on on TikTok of looking old and slow. So yeah, 100 percent I totally get that. Uh for me though, it is actually a special announcement where you know you guys know we have been working with Colorcast for a long time now. And recently they have reached out to us to offer us an opportunity. We talked about the Auburn Penn State game, which we'll be calling on Color, Color Cast this weekend. Well, that is part of becoming the featured casters for Color Cast, which means every day, every weekend, we will be giving you a college football game and an NFL game for the foreseeable future, at least for the rest of the season and into the playoffs. And we cannot wait for that. So this week we have, as we mentioned, Auburn Penn State on Saturday night, followed up on Sunday by the fantastic matchup the chiefs versus the ravens we cannot wait for that one either so you don't have to listen to chris collinsworth you can come listen to dj and i which is trust me it will save your ears and your brain because you will no longer be scratching your head wondering what chris collinsworth will be saying you'll be enjoying our conversation about the game if you guys didn't hear when we did the football games in the playoff games before that is on youtube we can actually check it out there but be sure to check it out if you guys haven't checked out colorcast the link is in our bio as well to get to colorcast to download it so go do that. That way you can get ready. You can follow us. You can make your account. That way you can jump in the chat. And the cool thing with the new ColorCast, we have the hot seat available to us in ColorCast. So if we're, if we're giving you stats, and we already know, we already have one guaranteed person who's going to jump in the hot seat, and that is Live with David. He is our official, unofficially official stat man. Uh, he always jumps in with some of the sickest stats that we could possibly imagine and helps us help us bring even more quality to it. But you guys are interested you can jump in the hot seat ask us questions give us your opinion on things uh throughout the game as we get into halftime during the breaks and everything like that and we will give you that opportunity so we cannot wait for this guys this is going to be absolutely fun for the entire rest of the season that means there's a whole 17 more weeks in the nfl season and about 17 weeks if you include the playoffs of the college football season so it's gonna be a whole lot of fun going forward it's gonna be a whole lot of pace skin moving forward it's gonna be an absolute blast we look forward to having you guys join us too it's all the commentary fun that you get to participate in as well too or you can just check in even if you maybe you can't watch the game you're on the road you're at work something like that you could tune in we'll do our best to paint the picture for you as well too so definitely plenty of reasons to check in for a little bit hang out with us talk a little sports listen to a little football just you know enjoy life a little bit enjoy some enjoy some enjoy having football back if you will sorry zach yeah, and, and, and you can also uh, hear me cry if Auburn decides to lose to Penn State live on, on air. And we'll get to hear you sing a fight song as well, too. And, of course, we talk quite a bit of football here. We're going to have a lot more football on Sunday morning, though, as part of the 4th and 4 show on ColorCast as well as YouTube and streaming on all pla- many platforms as well, too. Be sure to follow that Twitter page and ours as well, too, to go. Go ahead and catch the latest on that, too. It'll be a live one-hour program as well, too, where we just kind of preview that day to come in football as well, too. So you definitely don't want to miss that and catch – some more of our football takes we didn't get to go off here as well. Absolutely. We do that with Zach from Gridiron Gallery, who we've mentioned a couple times, Jim from the J-Dash Show, and we get special guest appearances during halftime from Hector from the Insert Name FC. You guys missed his last one. Oh, man, you guys missed a, a doozy because he had a great halftime show. It was very entertaining. 
Um, and, you know, don't forget, DJ is your reigning regular season pick'em champion, and that we will be continuing the pick'ems uh, this season. So uh, not a hot start for DJ and I after week one, but we can't wait to, to, to make up for it this weekend um, when we get back on 4th and 4 on Sunday. That is at 10 a.m. Eastern time on ColorCast and YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter at 4th, F-O-U-R-T-H, and the number 4, and then you can follow us there. But, guys, we appreciate everything, as always, and we will let you go today. If you are listening on Unhinged Radio, stay tuned for Craft Root, Craft Root Sports coming up right after us. Otherwise, until next time, guys, we'll see you later. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more.